Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google. What makes them industry giants? Get ready to take a peek inside and learn their secrets of success. This is Silicon Valley Insider, the show that demystifies the valley and helps to elevate your business to the next level. Now, your host for Silicon Valley Insider, Keith Koo. Welcome to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. On today's show, I have Scott Painter, who's the founder and CEO of FAIR. FAIR is an alternative car leasing platform that's aimed at granting mobility to anyone. So imagine that you want to be an Uber driver and you don't have a car. Well, we're going to tell you how on today's show, how you can get started for free. So don't go away. In this week's tech news, one of the biggest stories is that Facebook is launching their own cryptocurrency platform, which has been much rumored, called Libra. And there's not enough time to go into all the details, but imagine a platform like Facebook with 2.4 billion users, and you can do financial transactions uh, using WhatsApp or Facebook Messenger, and it will be available as early as 2020. Partners already announced are MasterCard, PayPal, the crypto exchange Coinbase, and eBay, as well as ride-hailing services Uber and Lyft. Uh, There's also a lot of news about how governments around the world, the USA and the European Union, are very concerned about the privacy implications and how this looks and feels a lot like a crypto version of WeChat. So we'll be staying on top of this story for sure. Argentina and four other South American countries were hit by a power blackout affecting 40 million users this week. Some people think it was a glitch, and some people think it's a cyber attack. We don't have all the story yet, but it's just something that was a major event. On last week's show, I talked about deep fakes, which is software that allows, uh, convincing software that allows for people to uh, impersonate another person, including video, not just photographs. So voice and video actions. This week, Princeton and Adobe Research announced that they're creating software to make it very easy for anyone to do. The software's not available for consumer use yet, but it just goes to show that what we talked about last week, deep fakes are something that people need to be very aware of. So go to listen to last week's podcast if you want more information. In our last story, a follow-up, American Metal Collection Agency, which we reported had a breach of 12 million records, their major customers like Quest Diagnostics, they all pulled out. And so this 42-year-old company is now going bankrupt and out of business. Uh, Guardian Insight Group, one of our major sponsors, they consult in exactly these scenarios. One of the lessons is to ensure that all your vendor agreements include the right incident management reporting. And equally important is that all of your subcontractors are also protected and required to report back this information to you. I'll be teaching a master class at a financial conference in October in San Francisco. Come to the svin.biz website for more information. And that's the Tech News of the Week. Welcome back to the show. Once again, I'm joined with Scott Painter, the founder and CEO of FAIR. Welcome, Scott. Hi. Welcome. Thank you. So, Scott, you've had a a super interesting background. I know we're going to get into a lot of information today. I'm very interested in what FAIR is doing and you know, the alternative ways of obtaining a car. But first, I wanted to get into, how did you get into the automotive space? I I think it was at a really early age, right? You know, I think uh, that that great companies, great entrepreneurs, focus on a problem that they really understand, that they relate to. 
Um, I've been on what seems like a, a lifelong crusade to make buying and owning a car easier. I've had um, a number of companies over the last 25 years that have all been focused on the same exact problem, which is that buying a car and owning a car is a really time-consuming, frustrating, expensive, high-anxiety task, and we all go through it. And yet at the same time, whenever you get a car, it's usually a reflection that something really good is happening in your life. Um, you know, you get a car when you graduate from school, you move to a new city, you get a job, you grow your family. All of these things um, are sort of positive milestones in our lives, and yet at the same time, I think we all recognize the dread of going through the process of buying and owning a car. And so I've just had this particular love affair with cars. I, I love cars. I love the whole experience of owning a car. Um, I remember getting my first car and how it represented, you know, my freedom. It, my car was really my avatar for who I was in life. And I can look back over those milestones in my life and just sort of keep track of everything based on the cars I drove at the time. So for me personally, um, my thing has been cars. I have a you know real passion for technology, and I believe that technology can make things easier and remove friction. And if there's ever a you know an area of modern life that needs a little bit of friction removed, it's how we get in on cars. Well, thanks, guy. I think that's those are some of the best entrepreneur stories. Is where you have a passion, and then you turn that passion and you you build something around that. And um, here's a question for you: what what's your what fa- what's your favorite vehicle that you either currently own or have owned? I've got a 1966 uh, Shelby um, Mustang GTH. Uh, it's a car that I've always wanted, and um, it's funny because I've got about five or six cars. Most of those cars are all from Fair, um, but you know the collections or the collector's cars, the, the the things that you really covet, are appreciating assets generally, and those are things you want to own. Uh, you generally don't want to own a depreciating asset. Um, it turns out that my favorite car that I actually have through fair i've got four kids um and i just did not want to have a minivan uh for years and years we always had you know a chevy tahoe or a big suv but they're just so hard to get in and out of and we got one of these uh mercedes metris uh vans and it really is a minivan you know the the side doors open on both sides there's four captain's chairs in the back you know for all my kids but it actually doesn't look like a minivan, so it's right now it's my, my favorite car to get around in because I can take all my kids with me. <laughs> well, um, I want to follow up with, and I know that I, I've avoided minivans myself. I drive SUV, right, uh, or my wife does. Um, I want to go back to the depreciating asset because I think back to the whole American dream, owning a house. And what you said really resonates because I bought, I mean, I had cars, but I bought my first new car right after I graduated from college, and then I started my first job at Wells Fargo, and so I, this this really all brings back memories. But to you, and I, and I think for many others, what's your philosophy in owning a new car versus owning a used car? Well, I think that if if you really just look at the uh, you know overall statistics, a, a used car generally costs about a half as much as a new car. The average new car today is about thirty five thousand dollars new. The average used car is just below eighteen thousand dollars. So you get a lot more value, and we tend to be at a very interesting time in the automotive century where you know, the, the, the sale of new and used cars has been pretty consistent over the last 100 years, and when combined, new and used car sales almost perfectly correlate to the population. The cyclicality of the car business is that when you go through recessionary periods and interest rates either rise or fall, people tend to buy 
fewer or more new cars because the new car costs more. It does require financing a higher percentage of the time. And so when we go through recessions like we did in 2009, new car sales begin to slow and used car sales pick up. But when we started to get back to peak production, we've been at peak production for the last four or five years in this country. Um, what you see is a, a sort of a massive glut of late model used cars returning off of lease in, in sort of the current case. We've got almost six million used cars coming back into a market where we make 16 million cars on the new car side. So having a bunch of late model, lightly used cars that are literally half the price of their new car competition means that it's a really great value for consumers. And we all grew up hearing, you know, that buying a new car is just not the same value that buying a used car is. And that's especially true in cycles like the one that we're in right now. And used car prices, given the oversupply situation, are going to continue to fall which is really great news for consumers. And you're going to see more lightly used, almost new cars than ever before. Wow, Scott. So this is a really great start to the show. When we come back, I'm going to want to ask you and follow up on a lot of things we talked about in the first segment. So once again, you're listening to Keith Koo, Silicon Valley Insider. Special guest is Scott Painter, the founder and CEO of FAIR, which is really focused on empowering car ownership in an alternative way. Um, and we'll talk about perhaps without even any debt. So don't go away. If you uh, want to get more information on FAIR or our show, email us at info at svn.biz. And we'll be right back with more Scott. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Hey, Insiders. Welcome back to the show. Once again, I have Scott Painter, the founder and CEO of FAIR. Welcome back, Scott. Thank you. So, Scott, I've had this burning question. It's kind of been in and out of the news last decade, especially with the rise of ride-sharing programs like Uber and Lyft. Today, we're talking about how FAIR is an alternative way of, of obtaining a car, but is there even going to be a need for any of this, given that many people won't even have a car in the next decade? You know, I think that the, uh, the benefits of owning a car uh, still persist. I think that the real hurdle in getting a car is that most millennials, modern buyers, just don't want to go into the dealership and do battle with the car dealer and negotiate in a negotiation where they feel like they don't have the upper hand. But they also don't like the commitment that comes with a car. And it's not just the car loan or the car lease and the term of the loan or the term of the lease. It's just the fact that when you get the car, if you decide that you want to move to a new city or that you want to get a new job or you want to change your um, your automobile, you've got to go through the process of becoming a used car salesman yourself. And so it's just a very intimidating and very complicated process that most people don't want to go through. I think that the benefits of car ownership are really focused on the optionality. You can go where you want, when you want. The uh, the safety, I can uh, you know try to tell a mother with children that they're going to have to ride share their kids everywhere. It just isn't really a, a real thing. And then, you know, obviously the status of that's my car. I've got a 16-year-old son and boy, I'll tell you, just growing up in a house while we were building fair and hearing about it all the time, as soon as he turned 16, he got his driver's license. He went and got a job so he could open up a um, open up a bank account and get on fair. And for him, that car was everything. And, you know, 
we're certainly in a time when everybody's saying that you know young kids are not getting their driver's license, but that car represented to him who he was in the world, and it really gave him the freedom to be able to get where he wanted to go where he, when he wanted to get there. So I think all the benefits of ownership are still important. What we've built into our product at FAIR is all the benefits, the status, the optionality, and the security that comes with ownership without having to go into debt. And I think that's also another part of modern life where, you know, we're doing everything on our phones. And up until now, you have not been able to get a car on your phone. And then the final sort of analysis about ride sharing versus ownership comes down to sort of simply understanding the economics. Ride sharing tends to be about a dollar and a half to two dollars per mile. Owning a vehicle and getting a vehicle through fare tends to be closer to 35 cents a mile. So it is economically a much bigger um, cost to, to have the convenience of ride-sharing, but there is not a use case where it solves everything. So at the end of the day, when we look at the numbers, you would think that with the rise of ride-sharing over the last four or five years, which has truly been phenomenal, you would think that car sales would have slowed or, or decreased. And the truth of the matter is that so far, it's been accretive. We have had the largest car-selling years in human history, in, you know, despite the fact that ride-sharing has been introduced. And um, the fact that it's been additive to the overall sales of cars and the overall velocity has been a really counterintuitive thing. But I think part of it is because ride-share drivers are really the source of supply for cars into that system. They own their car, and they use their car like a business. Well, Scott, thanks. That's a great response, and I thank you for your insight. Yep. Uh, just two anecdotes. One thing is I'm so, super proud of your son. I mean, I think it's great here in the Valley, because uh, I know you're in SoCal. The I come across more folks who are saying that they don't need a car, don't want a car. But yet my daughter, who's 14, she's absolutely looking forward to getting her driver's license at 16 and, and doing all the things her son's doing. So I'm glad that there's still kids interested in that. And then in my own story, you're, you're kind of putting me out of business. I love negotiating uh, cars. and I do it for my friends and family all the time, but that's that's a whole different thing. But I know the majority of people don't like to actually do that. Well, you know, it's interesting. So I spent most of my career trying to level that playing field. Um, you know, when we founded TrueCar, it was about publishing what other people paid for their car so that you could be a first-time car buyer and know all the information necessary to get the right deal on a car. And it was not very popular with car dealers. Consumers loved it because you could be literally a first-time car buyer and operate with expert knowledge. The problem is you still have to go in and go through that process. And um, while you may like the process of negotiating, I'm sure you love it more when you're more informed and you feel like you're not getting worked. Of course. But at the same time, most people do not look forward to the process of going into the car dealership and going through that confrontation. Um, in fact, modern buyers, are their, their two big pain points are confrontation and commitment. I, I believe it. I have another story. My father, who recently passed away, uh, we negotiated a car for him once, and he gave up money on the table because he was hungry. And he's like, I'm, I'm done. I'm going to just accept the offer. So he kind of ruined that deal. <laughs> so um, tell me more about FAIR. I mean, it, it sounds like a super interesting uh, concept, and it's been out for quite a while. And, uh, and um, I know you, you've, you've grown this, and we'll talk later about your, your recent partnerships. But what is the underlying hypothesis or economic uh, model that you that made you decide that you wanted to pursue fair 
Well, you know, it really started with understanding the customer's pain points. And I think every good business should really start by recognizing the problem. I think we all know that buying and owning a car is a gnarly process. And for us, we, we, you know, we've been in the car business for a long time. We're now almost 600 people and we're filled with automotive experts and a lot of engineers that are just focused on solving real problems using technology. And I think we all came together around one very simple value proposition, which is we wanted to make it completely digital. And this idea that you are going to make the acquisition of a car completely digital, given that everybody has to go through tax, title, registration, the negotiation, you're going to have to insure the vehicle, you're going to have to maintain it, repair it, get peace of mind, and understanding the dynamics around this shift to used cars as a better value and that the used car market is about to go through a real boom period where there's going to be lots of available supply and consumers are going to really shift to used cars again. So with all of those things sort of being the underlying belief system, we wanted to create something that could happen on your phone and really be a reflection of modern life. And we also really recognized this trend away from ownership the idea that you have to go into debt and borrow a big pile of money to buy a depreciating asset. And 99% of cars are a depreciating asset. And I'll just go back to my son or even myself, the the idea that I'm going to go and borrow a big pile of money to buy something that I know for sure is going to depreciate is really the problem. It's a bad financial decision, and we force people to do it every day. To give you a sense of the size of the problem, you've got 1.5 1.5 billion used cars on planet Earth. They change hands 10% every year. So 150 million used vehicle transactions, and 90% of people do not pay cash for their car because the car costs so much to their relative net worth. And what we are all spending on mobility is really about 15, 1.5% of our gross income. So this is a massive piece of the overall world you know, GDP that is going to cars. You've got nearly $5 trillion of consumer automotive debt for those 150 million transactions annually. The average interest rate across that entire $5 trillion is 10%. So quite literally half of what we are all paying on our car payment is not going to the car. It's going to the money that we had to borrow to buy the car. And almost nobody has the kind of clarity that we can through looking at the data today about what a car is worth. The ability and, you know, having the background with True Car, Automotive Lease Guide, CarsDirect.com, all of these businesses have been about collecting the data, recognizing the patterns, putting in place the deep learning, the predictive analytics to understand the empirical value of a car without having to necessarily even physically inspect the car. With a VIN and a license plate today, we can actually numerically get to within 1% of the car's wholesale and retail value. You know, Scott, um, I think right, because we're about to finish the segment, when we come right back, I want you to talk a little bit more about the AI and machine learning around that, uh, whatever you can share, because I think that's the really compelling part of it, is how do you ensure a consistent experience so, so don't go away. Um, again, we have Scott Painter, founder and CEO of FAIR on Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. Any questions or comments about what you're hearing today, email us at info at svn.biz, and I'll be right back. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider 
Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. Once again, I'm joined with Scott Painter, who's the founder and CEO of FAIR.com, an alternative auto leasing platform bringing mobility in a fair way to everyone. On this week's Cyber Tip, which is common for me to discuss, uh, something that you know nothing about, which is knowledge-based authentication and something you probably don't think you care about. But the Government Accountability Office reported that federal agencies should no longer rely on knowledge-based authentication as a way to verify your identity. And why is that? So if you've ever applied for a mortgage, a car loan, or something else where they're saying, hey, did you used to live at one of these four addresses, or do you know, or related to one of these four people, that is KBA. And the danger there is that because of all the data breaches that have happened over the years, pretty much anything you've ever put out there, you should just assume somebody else knows. So what's the tip? Well, if you're comfortable with it and you can actually remember it, when somebody asks or application of what is your mother's maiden name, make up something or birth date or location. Where did you get married? What car did you used to own? Just make all that up. All you need to know is that you remember what they are so that nobody else can figure it out. And that really is the cyber tip of the week. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. Once again, I'm joined with Scott Painter, founder and CEO of FAIR. Welcome back, Scott. Thank you. So in the first two segments, we talked about Scott's background, his history and love for everything automotive and also what FAIR is and how it's empowering uh, folks to obtain their first car, especially without a financial burden. So, Scott, I really just wanted to get into how does FAIR work? Sure. Well, FAIR is an app. Um, Everything happens on your mobile device or your smartphone. So you install the app, and when you install the app, you are immediately – uh, telling us a little bit about yourself. What we're looking for is to make sure that you are going to be somebody who can actually get on the road. And so the two things you need to get a car from FAIR are a valid U.S. driver's license. It doesn't matter what state it's from because you're going to get behind the wheel of a car. You're going to drive it on actual roads. And every FAIR car comes pre-bundled with insurance, maintenance, repair, all of the things that give you peace of mind around getting a pre-owned car. But most importantly, because we're providing insurance, we need to make sure that you are a valid driver's license and that you're in good standing. The second is we need a digital form of payment because everything happens in the app. You've got to, you've got to pay us digitally through the app. And so once we verify that you have those two things, you begin looking at cars. All of the cars in the app are actually cars that are otherwise for sale by a local dealer. And what we've done is we've looked at all 5 million cars that are currently being advertised by 90,000 franchised and independent dealers around the country. And what we're doing is using the algorithm and the data science to understand which cars are so competitively priced that they represent a fair price. And when you pick a car, what you see for that car is a monthly payment that is an all-in, single cost of ownership. We remove all the complexity. So when you get a car from us, we contact the dealer, we buy that car, and we simultaneously enter into an agreement with you on your mobile device. And when you take delivery of the car or pick it up from the dealer, you simply sign for the car with your finger on your phone. It's literally like picking up the car from the valet. You sign for that, and simultaneously, you pay us your first month in your deposit, 
and then you get to keep the car for as long as you want. There's no confrontation. There's no no commitment. You can return the car anytime. And if something changes in your life, you get a new job, you have to move to a new city. If you're in the military and you go on deployment, you're uh, a teenager, you end up going away to college, you simply notify us in the app and we either pick up the car or you can drop it off. And the contract is over. If for any any reason your situation changes where you can't really afford the car anymore, it's not like a traditional loan or a commitment where you're all of a sudden now in default and your credit is ruined. You simply return the car. There is absolutely no problem with returning the vehicle because the term doesn't exist. It's a no commitment way to get access to a car. And all of the cars in the app are cars that, like I said, are otherwise for sale, but these are not rental cars. These are cars that you could otherwise get at a dealer's lot and would have to negotiate and go through the whole hassle. We remove all the complication. We handle the tax, the title, the registration. So for you, it's easier and you save money. It sounds almost too good to be true. You know, it's the culmination of everything that I've worked on. And there's so many smart people at FAIR that have come out of the automotive industry that really understand how to detangle the problem. That what we've come up with, I think, is a really big shift in terms of how people are going to get access. And again, the big idea is that you're just not having to go into debt. And who doesn't like easier and who doesn't like saving money? Uh, you're right. So, uh, just more of my own interests. So, then who takes title? And when you, people give their cars back, what happens to that car? Because I'm assuming that somewhere along the line, fair or an agent is taking possession of the car. They're holding the title. Yeah. So, when, when, you, when you're done with the car, you turn it back to us. We own the car. So, we are a very asset-heavy, capital-intensive business. We have a large balance sheet. We are not building a large infrastructure. We rely on dealers as partners for the pick up and drop off of cars. But once a customer is done with that car, there is a 30-day process that the vehicle goes through. It goes back into the app. And if somebody else wants that car, we do not change ownership. We just simply make sure that car is ready for another customer and recondition the vehicle. If there is nobody for that vehicle in the short 30-day period, then we sell that car at wholesale. And just to give you a sense of the overall U.S. market, you've got 43 million used cars that are sold in the U.S. every year. Okay. And so there is no liquidity crisis for used cars. We just tend to be very unemotional about it. When you say, I don't want the car anymore, we just simply take it, either recycle it into the program, or we sell that vehicle and get out of that. And we've taken all the parts of selling a car that most people find really annoying or really complex, and we've just streamlined that and done it at scale. That, that makes so much sense. So then are there commissions or referrals involved with the dealer? Yeah, there's no commissions or referrals. And what's really unique about what we're doing is we don't charge dealers to participate on our program because when a customer picks a car, we are a buyer of that car. So um, in sort of a very interesting win-win for everybody, you've got a customer who gets a car but a dealer who doesn't have to pay any marketing expense to sell that car. So that creates more margin of profit for the dealer for selling the exact same car. The average dealer is spending nearly 10% of the cost of a car on marketing alone. So this is a no friction way for the dealer to sell a car. And not every dealer sells us every car. Um, So the the beautiful thing about having a very large market is the cars that we put in the app are based on the dealers who have priced their cars competitively enough to qualify. If a dealer wants to hold out for a higher price, that's their prerogative. We just aren't interested in that car. 
So uh, I'm definitely not as familiar with the automotive industry, but I, I, I am an advisor, consult with several real estate um, platforms. And I, I was just asking, and it might not be relevant to what you're doing, would blockchain technology be uh, an asset to you or you, something that you don't need? This is in terms of the data provenance on the history of the car and the interactions with the car. Yeah, I, I think the idea of you know putting um, car titles on chain where you can actually have a secure digital registry of ownership could certainly make the process of securitizations, which we do on the back end, a little bit more efficient. Just to give you a sense of our scale, we've already got over 40,000 subscribers in the U.S. We're Uber's partner for supply, so we are both supplying cars for consumers and for Uber drivers across the country. We're in 37 major U.S. cities, over 20 different states, and growing every week. So as we are adding those cars, we are buying those cars, and we are putting them into um, our debt facility. So you think getting a car loan is a frustration. We try getting a car loan for everybody. That's literally what we're doing. I got it. And so um, you know, putting title on chain and digitizing title would certainly be more efficient. I think that that's going to really be a state-by-state issue. It's just starting to appear in some forward-leaning states. Um, it's something that we're definitely interested in. Anything that can reduce our cost and remove friction on our end is a savings we can pass on to our user, our driver. Great. And, and you brought up something I definitely wanted to hit on is your partnership with Uber. That was something that was very interesting when I was reading up on you and FAIR is how you are helping uh, rideshare drivers or potential rideshare drivers using your platform. What has that partnership been like? You know, Uber is a phenomenal partner. It's really, um, you know, ride sharing has been a real phenomenon over the last five to six years. And it certainly has created um, a, a dynamic where in order for that business to grow, it's going to require more driver-driven cars. Even though autonomous cars are coming, the desire for Uber and other rideshare platforms and gig economy companies to grow means that for the next five to 10 years, they're going to need a massive influx of additional supply hours that are provided by driver-driven cars. And so with that in mind, recognizing that nearly half of all rideshare drivers can't even qualify for a car loan and are renting their car and paying nearly twice as much as what fare is charging you've got a real opportunity to provide those folks with access to mobility in a way that they've never really seen before. And again, because we're not lending these folks money, you can actually, if you've got a valid driver's license and a digital form of payment, get access to a car from fare in a way that you never would have otherwise been able to, um, you know, as a, as a regular consumer trying to get a car loan. So we're giving access to the opportunity to work for a lot of these drivers. Um, it's a, really rewarding program for us because any business as you're growing has a customer acquisition cost and a customer acquisition risk. Our partnership with Uber is a fully integrated partnership. Once you download or install the Uber driver app, if you say that you don't have a car, you're immediately introduced to fare. That has been a wonderful partnership that's allowed us to grow our business very quickly. I mean, we've only been incorporated for three years, and we've only had a product in the marketplace that's live for under two years. And to have over 40,000 subscribers already, I think, is a, you know, a really unique situation. So the business is growing so quickly because of that partnership that we're, you know, we look forward to just uh, continuing to serve Uber's needs and try to keep up with their demand. Um, 
the simple equation is nobody really understands how big consumer demand is for ride-sharing, but we do know that all of the results of all of these companies so far is the constraint of supply. So the real metric to watch for companies like Uber is the growth of weekly supply hours and how they're getting there. And so we've been given a really big challenge by the partnership at Uber in terms of growth and expectations, and we're gearing up around that, which is a really exciting time for any company. Hey, Scott, I can't believe um, how quickly the time has gone on this segment. Thanks again for explaining how to engage with FAIR, especially your partnership with Uber. Any questions or comments for Scott or me, email us at info at svn.biz. So don't go away. We'll be right back with The Pivot. Thanks again, Scott. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Hey, Insiders. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. I'm joined with the founder and CEO of FAIR, Scott Painter. Hi, Scott. Hi. How are you, Keith? So today's show has been great. We've talked all about Scott's background and the FAIR platform. And in the last segment, we talked about um, how Uber drivers, even without their own car, can use FAIR to enable them to obtain that card and actually make some money um, debt-free. And so, Scott, that's really what I want to talk about on The Pivot today, the shift in how people think about uh, debt related to car financing. And you're an expert at that. So why don't we get into that? Sure. I think that you know, there are a couple of really important trends that we're seeing, and it's not just in the automotive industry, but it's also just with consumers at large. Obviously, today we're all doing more and more on our phones, and modern life really happens on your phone. And so the ability to get a car now without having to go through any kind of offline or any kind of in-person experience and have a car that you need that you want for as long as you want without having to go into debt is, a, is sort of a big idea. But it really starts with that digital experience. What we're also seeing as a, a really important narrative is this real shift away from ownership. Um, you know, the sharing economy was always about leveraging sort of more of these capital-intensive assets more efficiently and being a little bit more world positive with how we experience and use things. And interestingly enough, I think that as Uber and some of these other big rideshare platforms grew, you know, they were really relying on the distributed ownership of cars as a way of building these networks and not having to buy taxi type fleets. And it turns out that, you know, as as all of these companies grew, they started to realize that the market for how they would need to grow was going to need to be fueled by having additional access to cars. So what we've done has really been, I think, at the forefront of this shift away from ownership as a thing. And the fundamental reason is that the cost of debt for the average consumer is really high. Consumer credit is really premised on the reliability or predictability that somebody will make 30 or 72 or, you know, a, a repeated number of payments over time. And so almost all loans are based on a term and the likelihood that the customer is going to make good on those things. But as people tend to have worse and worse credit scores, really, those are the least predictable folks. And we're 
giving them a higher and higher interest rate. So we're actually putting a bigger burden on the lower end of the credit spectrum. And what that does is have a perverse incentive to really create defaults. And so I think that what we're starting to learn is this idea that you can do everything in life month to month without a contract. One of the things that was really hard for our business is to understand how long will our customers keep a car because we don't want to be perceived as a short-term rental. We do a lot of work to get you into a car. We have to buy that car, handle tax title registration, insure that car, and then we have to think about all the things related to the ownership and logistics and physics of, of getting that car ready for you. So what we had hoped is that customers would keep their cars for about six months, and it turns out that even though we don't have a term in our contracts, our average consumer contracts are keeping their car for over a year and a half. Because when somebody gets a car that they're happy with, they sort of move into it. And it's a hustle, even if you're not under contract, where you have to stay in a particular car, they tend to stay with the car they're happy with for an extended period of time. And so it's sort of a, a really, I think, you know, positive reinforcement that, you know, we're not so ephemeral that we all just want to have so much variety. It actually is about getting the right car for you, and you don't need to have these long-term contracts and be burdened by that. And it it really, I think, reflects modern life being more digital and less about the commitment and the burden of debt. Yeah. So one thing I wanted to ask about that is then since um, it's such an easy way to jump on the platform with the mobile, does this impact credit scores at all? Well, if you know, if you keep a car, we do report that you've kept the car and made your payments. And again, if you can't make your payment for whatever reason, you return your car. And what tends to happen with a contract from Fair, if you don't return the car and you haven't made your payment, it's effectively grand theft auto. It, it looks okay. a little more like um, you know what percentage of consumers don't return their rental car, for example. It's a very small percentage. So. And it turns out when you first install the app, what we're looking for with your valid driver's license is whether or not you're a felon or whether or not you've done anything that leads us to believe that you might not be a good person to give a car to. But at the end of the day, we're not having our cars go stolen or go missing. turns out a car is a very findable thing and a very durable thing. And so, so far, we have not had any real fraud problems. And it turns out that giving people the flexibility to return a thing avoids any kind of a bad consequence for their credit. They just simply return the car. And at this point, we have a very small population of folks that don't return the car that we have to go get. And that is really, I think, the the saving grace of, of this from a credit perspective. You can be, and again, I'll go back to my son, 16 years old, get started on the program. He's had his car now for about seven months. And that car, when we report to the Bureau, now helps him to establish his good credit that he is paying on a car payment and yet at the same time if for something for some reason he lost his job or he didn't keep up his grades and he didn't uh, have the ability to keep that car he could simply return the car and it wouldn't hurt his credit yeah so so scott once again it's been great having you on the show it went by really fast i hope you can come back and tell me the progress that you're making on fair uh, so i'd love to have you back great thanks keith so once again scott painter founder and ceo of fair talking about this growing alternative way to obtain a car, uh, very low cost and very low risk to the consumer. So questions or comments, email us at info at svn.biz and we'll see you next week. You've been listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo.
For questions or comments on today's program or to schedule a complimentary consultation with Keith about your business, call 1-888-828-SVIN. That's 1-888-828-7846. 888-828-SVIN. 